Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Caden Jackson to my Kiefer Moore. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Uh, Justin, I hope you've had an entertaining weekend. Hopefully it was more entertaining than the pre-match entertainment for the children of Blackburn kicking balls into dustbins. There's nothing wrong with kicking balls into dustbins, especially if you're a multi-million pound bringing revenue football club and that's what you're serving up to the next generation of supporters of Blackburn Rovers. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> did it... Did, see, I, I've, I've seen it before because it, it reminded me of, like, I'm, I'm talking 2000s, 90s halftime shows where they used to get people to kick balls into random objects like bins, skips, sheds, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it, I did think of it like that, but, you know... When you when it's just around the back of the club and they're just kicking the balls into them, it's pretty pathetic, isn't it? It is. It is. I think there was a message behind it. Something, something to do with um, saving the planet. That was a that was a banner, a really small banner. But still, oh, okay. but still, you're kicking balls into bins. Yeah, it's still quite a stretch for entertaining kids. And as I say, you want to you want you, like football clubs. They're supposed to be a pillar of communities. Every one time going, we're going to a football match at three o'clock. You want to make a day of it. I don't want to kick footballs into bins. <laughs> I'm sure the kids don't want to either, Justin. But you know what? It's a bit of a metaphor for the state of Blackburn it Rovers is. right now, isn't it? But welcome along to the number one championship podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Another cracking weekend in the championship. I mean, there's been so much that's kicked off, hasn't there? I mean, for a start, Ipswich have dropped out of the top two for the first time since September. So we've got that to talk about. And well done to Southampton for taking advantage of that going into second. So we've got the promotion race for us to talk about. But we've also got the relegation battle, which is really heating up, isn't it? You've got a massive relegation six-pointer between Huddersfield and Sheffield Wednesday, which we'll talk about in the second part of the show. And also a couple of teams who are getting dragged into it. Two teams in particular who are having a bit of a a bit a bit of a shit show at the moment, aren't they? So we'll talk about them as well. But it's all going to be a very juicy show, ladies and gentlemen, as we go through the games from the weekend, finish off with the polls and Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight 2. And a bit of a a bit of a tip for you as well. I reckon. This is the greatest Simon Grayson's hateful eight question we've ever had. More on that later on. But let's talk about the game, shall we, Justin? Ipswich, they lost for just the fourth time this season after being beaten 3-2 away at Preston. It means Ipswich have dropped out of the top two for the first time since the 19th of September. Gary's three-word review needed more time. More spelt M-O-O-R-E, get it? Never mind. Um, Stuart's gloves says awful first half and Peter says goodbye to automatics. The big question here, Justin, is what dirty information has Russell Martin got on Ryan Lowe? Because Preston have won just six of their last 24 games. Two of them have been against Ipswich and Leeds. It's remarkable. It's one of those situations where I think Preston fans will look back and go, we've played at our best in these games. So why couldn't we uh, repeat it against the clubs that aren't so great? And it's just like, okay, well... Uh, yeah, fair enough. It's it's a quality quality run of uh, yeah run of results against some good teams, but again, uh, one of those that's just going to piss supporters off even more comes come the end of the season. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's it's one of those that alleviates the pressure on Ryan Lowe, but at the same time, it does make you think, why can't we do this every single week? But if Southampton do get promoted, Ryan Lowe deserves a little A next to his name at the end of the season for the assist. And on this game, though, Ipswich were three 0 down at half time and just shut themselves in the foot repeatedly in that first half, didn't they? 
oh my god yeah it's, i think i've used this metaphor many times but it's basically the depiction of this uh Sideshow bob gif where there's constantly he's constantly walking on top of rakes and just hitting himself in the face perfect absolutely perfect um and it's it's just one of those occasions where i may as well remind people that i did suggest this might be a problem for rich at various points in the season the fact that they are defensively capable of, of, of having lapses they are the the worst defensive team in that top four uh, comparing them to the against Leeds, um, Southampton and Leicester, um, and yes, they're great at creating chances, but they they shoot themselves in the foot far too many times for them for me to really be convinced that they are going to sustain a top two push. And then just taking it to this game, I mean, Preston did a really good job of of um, pressing Ipswich high and, and making them force or forcing them into mistakes. But there comes a point where you need to be a little bit more streetwise, a little bit more pragmatic, and and play the game you. You're facing essentially, and Ipswich didn't. They tried to persist with playing out from the back at times, and it just didn't work. I'm not going to go full Alan, Alan Brazil and go, Why are teams playing out from the back? Just get it forward. No, Ipswich do do it the right way, but there are moments where you need to pick them right. And Ipswich, I think they've got players that probably don't do that often enough. Yeah. Well, in fairness to Ipswich, they were desperately unlucky with those first two mm. goals. The first one took a massive deflection from a pretty poorly tame struck shot by Will Keane and then the second was a pretty bizarre own goal by George Edmondson where he poked it into his own net finish. before Emil Reese could shoot great finish and Edmund uh, Reese, by the way was also offside so you know pretty unlucky but that, that's just luck I suppose if you're going to get promoted you need to be a bloody good side but you're also banking on a bit of luck to go your way too can't always be that way and that's just the way it goes. So Ipswich sit fourth, just one win in eight league games now, Justin. The Ipswich are going up tractor, is making some concerning noises. There's a strange rattling sound and the engine sounds like it's choking. Do you think it's got enough in it to get to Promotion City? Or do you think it's going to have to settle for playoff town? It needs a service in MOT, doesn't it, before I think we can commit to anything. But... I, I, I would say that yeah, the playoffs are, are probably a more realistic um, uh, situation for Ipswich now. Because of the momentum Leeds and Southampton have got and the quality of depth that they've got, it trumps Ipswich massively. And unfortunately, that's just the way the way it is. The budgets help that massively. Um, that's not to say Ipswich are poor, but they set some really high expectations for themselves. And for me, I, I, I can criticise them. I, I'll, I will point the finger at the defence being, being an issue because they create chances. They score a lot of goals. They're a good side at doing that. But unfortunately, if you're going to push for the top two, you need to be defensively shored. You need to be watertight. They're just not. They're just not at the moment. And that's a frustrating thing. Well, for me personally, I still believe they can do it. They can still get automatic promotion. Why are you laughing, Justin? Because you are a hopeless optimist with this Ipswich side. And I think you are... Okay, can I finish? You're in love. Okay, can you're I in... finish my point? I'm just, just going to well, I'm just gonna laugh at you. I'm also going to make the point that I think you're so deeply in love with Kieran McKenna and this Ipswich side that you, you're failing to see its true self you are distracted and blinded by pure lust i think well justin just putting my lust aside for a sec i still believe they can get automatic promotion and i do think that is partly me wanting them to do it because of course i predicted them to be second at the start of the season so i'd look very good if that came off but also because i don't think any championship neutral wants the three relegated sides to go up because that would just be dull wants it so that's what my heart says and my heart says they can do it but my head admits it's looking increasingly unlikely and it's always going to be difficult to keep up with the pace of the likes of Southampton and Leeds with the resources that they've got I am thinking positively here though Keith Moore was brilliant when he came on against Preston and if he is up front for them for the rest of the season they can get things back on track. So that's the positive side of things anyway, Justin. And that's what I'm kind of clinging on to here. A hopeless romantic. She's not going to call you back, Ryan. That Ipswich, that Ipswich town, she's not going to call you back. She's walking away. She's she's found someone else, someone's maybe slightly better looking. And it's like, I'm not sure that metaphor works here, but I, I get what you're saying. Um, the, the other thing to remember here is though, Justin, if we are clinging on to positives with Ipswich's promotion hopes, they did have a similar slump in form this time last year, didn't they? And then went on to win 13 from 15 games. Don't think it's out of the realms of possibility that we see a similar thing happen here. They don't have to play Leicester or Leeds again this season. So there is a chance. But that's the kind of form they're going to have to produce between now and the end of the season, isn't it? It's got to be similar to what we saw last season, similar to what we saw at the start of this season. 
as I say, with Kiefer Moore in the team now, maybe Ali El Hamadi chipping in with goals as well, that is a possibility. But it's looking like a long, long-ish shot at this stage, I think it's fair to say. Uh, well, one of the teams who have jumped ahead of Ipswich are Leeds United. They made it five league wins in a row after beating Bristol City 1-0. Lamnam's three-word review in the slipstream. And Eddie says, putting the pressure on. Uh, there was some controversy in this one after Leeds had a penalty turned down, which looked pretty blatant to me. Justin, what about you? Uh, uh, after watching it, it, it was pl- uh, pretty blatant. I was quite surprised Andy Hinchcliffe, the commentator, was saying that <laughs> Ruta was looking for contact. <laughs> Despite uh, George Tanner, is it cleaning him out? Um, it did look like a stonewall penalty. I can only think that the referee was maybe on side because there was a lot of bodies in the way, but in the grand scheme of things, it didn't matter uh, because Leeds peppered Bristol City. They should have been 3-0 up at half-time. They weren't. Um, or should have been at least 3-0 up before Nonto scored his goal. So, yeah, it's um, grand scheme of things didn't matter, but a very obvious penalty. Yeah, but the only thing that I, th- I think potentially goes against Rutter here is that his touch was a bit heavy and he was going to struggle to get it before the keeper. But that's not stopped penalties being given before and it's... Ultimately, a clear foul in the box. It's a stone wall. Ruta's left leg has been completely taken out. And it is just a good thing that it ultimately didn't cost Leeds in the end. But yeah, that, that was a. As far as decisions go this season, that was possibly one of the worst, I think. Because it's just a clear penalty, isn't it? But a great win for Leeds. They, by and large, kept Bristol City at bay. Really showed how defensively solid they are. It's just one goal conceded in five league games now. It's also an away win, which we have raised concerns about recently, haven't we, Justin? They've struggled on their travels, but they've now won back-to-back away games for the first time this season. And Leeds were up to second on Friday night before being knocked down a peg after the Saturday games. But it is five league games in a row that they've won. And it's the first time they've done that since July 2020, when they won promotion. And remarkably... Leeds have now won more points at this stage in the season than they did in both championship campaigns under Marcello Bielsa, which is a remarkable stat, isn't it, Justin? So it begs the question, is Daniel Farker doing a better job than Marcello Bielsa did? Does it beg the question? I think it's a pretty easy one to answer. Um, You've only got to look at the quality of players that they both had at their disposals. Bielsa, Bielsa created a renaissance painting with wax crayons. Fark's doing the same thing, except he's got Michelangelo over his shoulder telling him what to do, and he's got all the right gear. So uh, I don't think Fark is doing a better job than Bielsa because what Bielsa had at his disposal. Well, yeah, yeah. I can see what you mean, Justin. You've got to remember that Marcello Bielsa took leads from the doldrums and turned them into one of the best sides we've ever seen at championship level. He also did it with smaller resources than Farker, didn't he? Um, you know, Fark has basically taken charge of a team full of Premier League players and spent a fair bit of money in the process as well. Having said that, he did have to cope with a mass exodus in the summer. He's also not had the unanimous backing of Leeds supporters like Bielsa did throughout his time at Leeds. So, and he is also competing with three of the highest standard championship sides we've ever seen as well. So I don't think it's a plain and obvious Bielsa wins here, Justin, like you're implying. No, I think it's a plain and obvious one. Uh, I just think because of everything that Fark has got, uh, on, his, on his plate I think he's a very fortunate man to to have those circumstances they were a very good side they shouldn't have gone down they shouldn't have been relegated from the Premier League last season they were because of well a, you know poor defence and probably one of the reasons why they went down is because Bielsa left and they'd never recovered um, amongst some poor 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 recruitment um, from Victor Victor Orta so I, I think it's a very very obvious one that lead side on paper the quality of players they had they should have never been anywhere near the top two Nowhere near. Uh, there, there were better squads than um, that lead side, but that, what Bielsa did was was special. And I think because of the points, we don't need to compare because it's just completely different circumstances. Fair enough. I, I'm not. I, I, I agree with you, Justin. I think Bielsa is, did a better job than uh, Farker's doing now. But still, I, I don't think it's cut and dry because I think that's cheapening the job that Farker's done. And I don't think that's completely fair, personally. Uh, Southampton, they're the side sitting second as things stand. They had a pretty routine win away at Rotherham. Michael's three-word review, we are coming. And Ethan says, into second place. It's 21 games unbeaten in the league now for Saints. If they avoid defeat in four more games, it'll be the joint second longest unbeaten run in championship history. Come on then, Justin. Who is going to finish second? <laughs> it's all been, you know, heated up now with Ipswich, 
dropping off Southampton with their incredible unbeaten run and then Leeds making it five wins on the bounce. Who are you tipping for second place? Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's a very stressful one to answer. It gives me grey hairs thinking about it, to be honest with you. Um, I, I want to side with Southampton. I, I just think they are, they've got better momentum, but at the same time, they've been unbeaten for so long That's they've got to have a bumper at some point, surely. Uh, it's just theoretically... Uh, you know, and statistically impossible, or well, not impossible, but we've not seen that sort of unbeaten run happen very often in the championship. So you would you would argue that they will drop points. And then Leeds, I think, are peaking at the perfect time. They've been brilliant since the turn of the year. They've been absolutely fantastic. Patrick Bamford's come in and he's been really good. They've got a lot of depth in that final third. But I just think Southampton maybe have a little bit more uh, going their way in terms of the style of play, um, how, how easy they keep teams at arm's length. And also they've got uh, David Brooks to come in and hit form. They've got Adam Armstrong, who's one of the best players in the league. Uh, I just think they've got a little bit more about them maybe than Leeds do. No mention of Ipswich at all? No, 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 no. So you, are you completely rolling Ipswich out at this point now? At this point, yes. It's very hard to see wow. them keeping enough clean sheets. Ipswich have been fantastic this season. And all you've done as the season's gone on is constantly say, well, I don't think they're going to get promoted. You've not really ever given them the credit that they deserve because they've been fantastic this season. I've given them credit. They have been fantastic. And they've done an incredible job to keep up with um, with the with the three of the budgets that they've got. But unfortunately, those budgets are telling now. And like I said, I'll keep coming back to it as I've done at several points this season. If you want a serious conversation about Ipswich being a top two team, they need to improve defensively. They do not have a good enough defence to be a top two team. It's as simple as that. I would argue that they might be, don't even have a good enough defence to um, win the playoffs because defensively, solid teams fare much better in the playoffs than teams that lead goals. I think you're wrong to completely rule out Ipswich. I think that's just ridiculous. Um, I think... Ipswich will have to massively turn it around. I think you're looking at the kind of form that they have shown earlier in the season and also did this time last year in League One as well after they had a bit of a sticky patch. So I don't think you can complete, completely rule it out, especially after signing Kiefer Moore because he was fantastic against Preston. Admittedly, though, it does look like they're behind in the pecking order compared to the other two. I would side with Southampton too myself. I think when you have a team who's just as consistent as them when you go in 21 league games unbeaten, that's just ridiculous. And... It's you do well to go that many games unbeaten in the league and not get automatically promoted, wouldn't you? And mm. it just looks like they're proving to be the real package here. Russell Martin's showing himself to be the top class manager that a lot of people have billed him to be. And it's now proof is in the pudding with him, isn't it? The squad's quality as well. And, you know, David Brooks coming in is just an added bit of quality that uh, they don't really need, but they've got it anyway. So I would go for Southampton personally too. I wouldn't completely rule out Ipswich, Justin. I think that's completely ridiculous to do that. Um, but let's talk about the team who I think we, we know are now going to be finishing as the Championship's Leicester City. They maintained their 11-point lead by winning 5-0 away at Stoke. Good prediction on Friday, Justin. Stoke really gave Leicester a game, oh, didn't God, they? Ryan. Get lost. Honestly, all Moreska's done is just double down. He's he's just pissed. He's just pissed the Leicester fans off even more by by saying, "Look how good we are." I, I, you know, his, his head's massive. It's barely got out of the bet three six five. It's barely got back onto the A fifty and and and, and pummeled down the uh, yeah dual carriageway there and got back to Leicester. Um, he's, he's walked out of the ground, double middle finger up at the supporters, saying, "We're boring." That's all he's done. That's all he's done. Bore off Leicester. Yeah, three-word review from Sean, five-star performance. Neo Spirit says, playing Enzo's way. Alex says, boring, boring, boring. And Matthew says, anyone complaining now. This 5-0 win for Leicester is the biggest away victory in the championship since January 2022. Why isn't Enzo Maresca's football more exciting? Come on, Enzo, take the handbrake off, man. Um, but yeah, it, ridiculous that that was even being complained about in the first place. And this is, yeah, as you say, Justin, a big middle finger to anyone who even dared murmur about the football not being good enough. But a quick update on the points record for Leicester, Justin. Of course, the most points ever won in the championship season is 106 by Reading in 2006. For Leicester to beat that, they can afford to drop 13 points in these final 16 games. They've only dropped 18 points from these first 30 games. So are they going to do it, Justin? Yes or no? <laughs> if there's going to be a team to do it, it's going to be this lesser side. They've got so many special players. 
um, haven't they? And it's a system that teams struggle to play against. It's boring, obviously. It's boring. It's horrendous to watch. And, and my God, I feel sorry sarcasm. for. That is sarcasm. I feel sorry for every single Leicester fan. <laughs> I'm just protecting you from Twitter, all right? <laughs> terrible, terrible football on display um, on a weekly basis at the Walker Stadium. Wink, wink. Um, but I really do, I really do think it's a squad that should be mid-table in the Premier League. You, um, you know, just taking a step back and just analysing it straight up, I think it's a mid-table Premier League squad at the very least because the standard of the Premier League isn't great in my opinion, and and this lesser side is is very, very special. And I think if Marista can do what he's been doing it's not really any way you can criticise them maybe they do play in second gear too often but if second gear's got you 72 points out of 30 games what will fifth gear do? it'll destroy teams so yes or no are they going to break the points record? sorry yeah yeah they will there we go ladies and gentlemen Justin Peters had his say Um, I think if you're any of these people who are saying let's not get carried away just yet I think you've got to think about it this way since the start of December Leicester have played 12 games and the only teams they've dropped points to are Ipswich twice, who are brilliant side as we know, and Coventry, who they lost to, but only after being down to 10 men for the entire second half. So you've got to look at their remaining fixtures and pick out where they could potentially slip up. They've got Leeds and Southampton, which is fair enough. Hull and Sunderland away, tricky. West Brom at home, perhaps. But even then, you'd put Leicester's favourites for... Most of those games, maybe not Leeds away, but the, the, most of the other games are at home. So, um, And even if they lose four of their remaining 16, if they win every other game, they still break the record. That's just how much of a cushion they've got at this stage. So the points record is in their sights. And right now, I'd say it's much more likely that they break it than not. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair, Justin. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, that Reading side was special, uh, 05 06. It, it was special. Um, and this is what I was saying it's going to take a special team to do it. And if you've got a mid table Premier League squad with so much talent that Leicester have, and if you're playing and winning games 5 0 away at Stoke while just being in second or third gear, um, then you're a very well drilled side with a, with a team full of experienced um, quality players who have, who have got a driving hunger to succeed. And Leicester have that. It's going to take not a collapse, but a real, real uh, air of complacency to, to, to not hit that 106 at the very least. Yeah, it'd be impressive if they didn't get it at this stage, wouldn't it? Because that would be quite the drop-off compared to what we've seen already this season. Three losses on the bounce now for Stoke. It's not going well at all, is it? Gareth's three-word review, Groundhog Day again. And Justin, I had one of those moments on Saturday night where I looked at the league table and my eyes widened when I saw Stoke's position. Because we've said pretty much all season that it's going to be three of the bottom four who go down. It's been pretty much the same bottom four all season, hasn't it? So I just assumed there was a big gap between that bottom four and the rest of the pack. But Stoke are just four points above the relegation zone and only a point ahead of Huddersfield. So Mm. what do we think? Could we actually see Stoke City get relegated? I mean, Stephen Schumacher's acknowledged the the notion of them potentially being in a relegation battle. Um, he's looking nervously over his shoulder, and I think the best case scenario this season for Stoke is it, it is it just fizzles out. It fizzles out into into nothingness, where they don't have to worry about being in the bottom three, um, and they just try and see it out as best as they can. I think it just worth mentioning that Schumacher has also inherited a mess because there's a lot a lot of issues that maybe we've probably discussed this season. Um, but there's a there's a lot of things that he needs to sort out. We we mentioned a few weeks ago that there was um, a better controlling games. There was you know an air of defensive solidity that's come in, but it seems to be leaking now. I mean, eight goals conceded in the last two games is isn't ideal. Um, and and on that form alone, you would say yeah they can be pulled into a relegation battle, and that would be an absolute disaster considering the amount of money that's been spent at the club over the last uh, well in in the summer. Well, the last few years, really, isn't well, it? Yeah. I know they haven't spent as much as they had done previously in championship seasons, but I mean, there was a fair amount spent last summer, weren't there, and in seasons before that as well. But look, Stoke have done this before, haven't they? It's not the first season where they flirted with relegation. And what's happened in the past is they've gradually improved and never really been in serious danger as the season came to an end. And the same thing may very well happen here. But the underlying data does paint a worrying picture because we're talking about a side who have won just two games in 16. They've won the second fewest points in the division since the start of November 
scored the fewest goals in that time as well. Chance creation has really dropped off. And it's not looking good at all. At this stage, I will be honest, I'd be extremely surprised if they did genuinely go down. Because the resources, the talent in the squad, the manager, it shouldn't really be ending in a situation where they actually end up in League One next season. But I also think it's becoming more and more of a possibility as the weeks go by. But what, what, other than talent, let's take talent out of it. What makes you think that Stoke will stay up? What makes you think that they're better than QPR, for example, right now? If I, if I throw a stat at you well, right now, they've scored five goals from open play at home since the end of August. Five goals from open play at home. Yeah, yeah, it's shocking. It's shocking. Just yeah. I'm not denying that at all. What I, what I will say is though, QPR are pretty poor themselves. So I I just look at these two sides together, and I just think Stoke have got a lot more about them. And my because of what's happened in the past with Stoke, where they they have done this before and flirted with relegation, just ended up being fine. That's what I'm thinking here, but. It does make me more and more concerned the more I see this Stokes I play. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I think it would be complacent to think that talent alone will will get them out of this this sticky patch they're in. I don't think they're a team that gel at all. Um, I think that's down to Alex Neal. I think that's down to the recruitment strategy in the summer. I don't think they're a team that look cohesive. I don't think they're a team. I don't think they're a team. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's eleven individuals because I don't think that's the case, but. I just think they're a team that can't can't tell their arse from their elbow at the moment. It's 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 worrying stuff. There's no balance in the squad once again. It's another transfer window where they've they've not balanced the side out. Um, and I, and I look at teams that are below them, and I think they've got a little bit more character than, than the Stoke side. If we look at the goals of the Stoke conceded against Leicester, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. It was the same same mistakes. Leicester getting in behind, cutting it cutting it back, um, and unfortunately, it's that sort of attitude that yeah it does see you just see you pulled into a bottom three battle. Well, it definitely does. And as I say, that does look like it's happening more and more, more likely that that's going to happen. But uh, yeah, only time will tell. And they've definitely got to pull their finger out soon because it's getting quite concerning looking at that table. Just before we have a break, Justin, we will get on to the rest of the relegation battle and talk about the situation at Blackburn in particular as well, because that's one which has really been a topic of conversation between you and I, Justin, over WhatsApp in the past 24 hours or so, what's going on there. Uh, but before we have a break, have you seen Neil Warnock? Looks like he'll be back in work. He's reportedly set to take the Aberdeen job. And now we love a bit of warning on this show, Justin, but of course this is big news because this will take away the option for championship clubs to press the Warnock button in March and save them from relegation. Terrible news for Stoke. Yeah, terrible news for for Stoke. Sharon as well has got a long commute from Devon, hasn't she? Yeah, uh, that is that is a that is a hefty hefty drive. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean it's terrible for football clubs in the Championship, but I mean it's a good way to see how his career. He's always wanted to manage in Scotland, hasn't he? He said that many a times. So and nearly, I think he, um, I think I read that he nearly took the heart shop a few years ago. Now he gets his chance, and it does mean that we can stop linking him with firefighting jobs because. We need to be a bit more original with our with our topics. It's fun though, isn't it, Justin? <laughs> it's easy. It's easy for us. <laughs> Just for our, sorry to clip out there. But people will agree with us because we we are right. He can probably do a job at any club in the championship. Um, but it is it's a good way to see how his career, I think. Is he gonna see how his career though? Yeah. <laughs> We've lost count now, haven't we? Where he's said he's retired and then he's back in a job soon so yeah look forward to seeing you in a year's time Neil right Justin let's take a quick break after that we'll talk about the relegation battle and what the hell is going on at Blackburn Rovers Mother's Day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast, and it's now time for us to check out how our, how our Second Tier Multiple with SBK got on, which included our Game of the Week, as well as just a nice two bankers from Friday. So we went with Watford, Southampton and Middlesbrough all to win, but no luck for us on that front. By in part with Justin's interesting selection of Watford to beat Cardiff, which I understand you've had a bit of flack from Cardiff fans about, Justin? Only a little bit. Only a little bit. Only the entire population of uh, the Welsh capitals come for me for merely suggesting that Watford are in a better position than Cardiff at the moment. I mean, the table states it. And also looking at the stats of this game, I am defending myself now. Looking at the stats of this game, Watford did create a few decent chances and Josh Bowler scored a worldie. So I know football is about results, but come on, Watford, do us a favour. Put your chances away, lads. What you were putting down the Stoke to beat Leicester prediction to. That was a monumental disaster for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather not discuss it. <laughs> yeah, Justin had a shitter, ladies and gentlemen. We'll, we'll see if he has any more luck next week because we'll be back with another multiple in this coming Friday's preview show with SBK. Oh dear, that coach trip from Plymouth to Sunderland is ominous in the in the in the horizon, isn't it? Um, but let's get back onto the games, Justin. And there was a huge relegation six-pointer at the John Smith Stadium on Saturday afternoon, but it ended up being a perfect day for Huddersfield as they smashed Sheffield Wednesday 4-0. Kieran's three-word review, Super Josh Caroma. And what a huge result for Huddersfield Town, Justin. A great performance, but they were helped by Danny Rule's side, essentially rolling over, weren't they? Yeah, you've got to sneak one in every time, haven't you? But yeah, it was a horrendous spell for Wednesday in that second half. And, but Huddersfield took advantage of it and it is a massive result for them. Bounce back after a poor first half. It wasn't the best first half from Huddersfield, but they came out in a second swinging. Could have been could have been a goal down as well. But, you know, if we're t- you know, looking at you know, slight tweaks uh, tactically, I think it was a, a good run. I mean, Wednesday made the attacking transitions easier for Huddersfield because ultimately Huddersfield managed to just glide through them with, with so much ease at times. But, they punished them, and that's the thing you can you can really sort of put your thumb up and go, brilliant. We've not seen a, a second half or a performance like that probably all season from Huddersfield. So it's been good to it was good to get that, especially in a derby, especially in a six pointer, a high pressure game like this. It was much much needed and gives you confidence that they'll kick on. Yeah, well, fair play to the caretaker boss John Worthington. He was just the club's academy manager and was basically given the job after Darren Moore's sacking and. He didn't have any other first-team staff with him from the Darren Moore era because they all left. So a bit of a tricky position for him to be put in. So for him to come out here with a 4-0 win in one of Huddersfield's biggest games of the season is really quite impressive on his behalf. Um, And I imagine there will be some Huddersfield fans who will be saying, well, that's one in the eye for us after criticising the decision to sack Darren Moore. But it's just not the case because we weren't saying Huddersfield will go down after sacking him. It was... More coming, it was coming from a position more of he deserved more time, wasn't it? And I still strongly believe that's the case. But this is a gigantic result for Huddersfield, and it's almost the dictionary definition of a six pointer because it's left Huddersfield in a great position and possibly eliminated Wednesday from the survival conversation. Has next an eight points from safety now. Do you think that might be it for the Owls, Justin? Because it seems to be what a lot of Wednesday fans think. I mean, look, never say never, especially with this Wednesday side. They were 4-0 down in a playoff leg last season, weren't they? And they came back from uh, from that and ended up winning against Peterborough. So you can never rule them out. And they could go on a run, couldn't they? They've done it already under Danny Rule. And we Stoke, Blackburn and Swansea all in a dire run of form, can't hit a barn door, all the cliches you want to throw at them. It could pull those sides into it and, and, and surprise quite a few of us. So I'm not going to rule them out. Their away form is garbage and it needs, and it could be the undoing, probably will be the undoing, but... Danny Royal is a very talented coach. He's very pragmatic. He admitted himself that he's a huge blow to their fight, but I've got a lot of faith in him to to 
get them a run of form going again. And I think that's that's the key thing. It's just it needs to happen quickly because they run out of games. Why? Why have you got faith in him, Justin? What, what's what's this based on? I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Danny Royal as a manager, but when you look at the results, we haven't seen a large amount of form, have we, during his reign? That's not necessarily down to him, but I don't, I don't know where this is coming from. I just like him. Wednesday were the worst side in the division when he took over, and he's made them the second worst side in the division on paper. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's progress for starters. Um, and the, the football that Ishka Munoz was playing was genuinely the worst football I've seen from a championship side. It was, there was nothing, there was no game plan, there was nothing. Danny Rawls implemented that while having to deal with Chanceri, for starters. He's got an okay squad. It's not fantastic, it's not amazing. It is probably a bottom four, bottom five squad. Um, but he's given them a fighting chance. That's a very difficult thing to do. Put a lot of character in that team as well. So I think there's a lot going for him. I don't think the squad's helping, but I think there's there's more to come from Wednesday under Danny Rawls. Why though? I I don't I get I don't get what this is based on, Justin. You say that for that you still think Wednesday can stay up because he can put together a run of form, but you look at their results think... over this season, then the longest unbeaten run they've had all season is three games, which isn't great, is it? Huddersfield did it last season. We've seen teams do it in previous seasons. Rotherham have done it. Um, there have been many many examples of it happening, and it just takes sometimes it's just a flip of the switch for some sides. Their away form will be their undoing. Uh, and hopefully if they can get the pitch sorted, that might help things as, uh, as well. But I'm not saying their survival hopes are over. I'm just a bit more swayed to the fact that they're still fighting that team. It seems like a massive leap of faith on your behalf. Um, I did pick Leicester. I did pick very little. I did pick Stoke to beat Leicester this weekend. So the leaps of faith are very common with me. Exactly. And they don't go very well, Wednesday <laughs> fans, unfortunately. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say they're relegated. I, I, I think it's it, it's too soon to say that they're down and out but it's a massive ask for them to stay up at this stage then you add in the context of a really disappointing january transfer window ian pervaders a decent signing but they were crying out for a, a good striker and they've been left with ek ugbo he's okay but four goals in 20 games at cardiff isn't good enough to keep you up in my view so it's looking really bleak Back on Huddersfield, though, Justin, and reports say Michael Duff is set for talks over the manager's job. They, they were linked with him in the summer, but were said to be put off by the compensation they would need to pay Barnsley. What do you think? Do you fancy a bit of up the Duff? <laughs> You'll get Huddersfield up the Duff, definitely, if he takes over. He ticks all, he ticks all the boxes. Uh, he, 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 like, you know, he plays a high press. He plays the front foot football. I know we didn't really see it uh, enough at Swansea, but there was a clear, clear sort of character and philosophy difference there that was never going to work. Um, and I'll say the same things I said about him in summer. I rate him very, very highly. He's just got to choose the right club for him. And I think Huddersfield is that club because I think it sort of sits in between that that stage where he's got an opportunity to develop um, uh, the, 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 the club and the team into his style. He's not sort of pillared by you know a philosophy that, has bestowed been bestowed upon him or you know always being forced upon him to play by the club's history you know he just gets to go in and be Michael Duff and do what he does best which is create a, a team a very fit team very high energy that likes to get in other teams faces and um, make it very uncomfortable for them and I think that'd be a very good thing for us yeah it's a strange one with Michael Duff because if this move happened in the summer I'd be thinking it'd be great it would be exactly what Huddersfield needed obviously what's changed since then is he had a horrendous spell at Swansea which has given his stock a right battering. So I'm looking through this. I'm, I'm looking at this through a lens which is blocking out the last six months. And if you ignore the Swansea spell, this is a great appointment because he'll be able to play exactly the way which suits him, which is one of the reasons why he failed at Swansea because he felt like he had to be a bit different. And it'll be a way which suits the players as well. So this is spot on for me. I mean, Paul Heckingbottom's been linked with the job too, but he's reportedly not too keen Duff is, which I think is another important factor because he's up for the up for the fight. So get him in, I say. Uh, well, QPR kept the pressure on Huddersfield by winning 2-1 away at Blackburn. Michael's three-word review for Blackburn. We're going down and we'll give QPR their flowers shortly. But what on earth is happening at Blackburn Rovers? They've won just five points from an available 33. 
just five points above the bottom three and they've got the worst offensive record in the league. The manager Yondal Thomason was blocked from talking to the media on Friday, seemingly because he's extremely unhappy with the January business. And now their marquee signing of the January window, Duncan Maguire, who's a striker from Orlando City in the MLS, he might not have signed after all because of a problem with the documents. And what started off as simply a bad run of form, Justin, seems to be evolving into an absolute disaster. Mm, yeah, no, it's horrendous, isn't it? It is absolutely horrendous. And it reminds me a bit that Lewis O'Brien had debacle last season. They had exactly the same thing where they, they struggled to get the paperwork done and over the line. Um, and and it, it ultimately didn't go through and everyone was left pointing the finger at everybody else. But it's clearly Blackburn is, is the issue. And I think it speaks more largely of um, issues that are you know, going on at the club uh, behind the scenes. There's, they've stopped communicating with supporters, which is just a travesty. travesty. That's why Thomason you know, is, is, is frustrated. He came out and said that he could have left for nothing in the summer. He, he offered to leave for nothing in the summer um, because of clearly ongoing issues with, with, the, with the ownership. Um, or whatever the owners are doing, because there are cash flow issues as well from that side because of um, legal problems for the for the owners elsewhere. It's just an absolute mess, an absolute car crash. And you know, as we were alluding to earlier on in the episode, that those bins that are put out for the kids' pre-game entertainment is it's just an absolute metaphor for the football club at the moment. It is an absolute mess. It is not great at all. And the frustrating thing is, they had so much momentum to build on last season, but. It's not there. And we've said it time and time again. The club's had a really bad history of selling players at the wrong time or letting them go on free transfers. So they've not had a good cash, uh, cash flow. They've lost a lot of money. Um, that money's never really been reinvested. And, and unfortunately, the, we're sort of we're seeing that a little bit now. It's a young and experienced squad. It's been propped up by free transfers and loans in, in January, which is not ideal. And unfortunately, they're in on a trend downwards and they tick a lot of the boxes for, for a team heading to League One. Yeah, and I mean, with the Maguire deal or no deal, for that to happen twice in the space of a year is just embarrassing. Whether it's down to pure incompetency or something else, I don't know. But for them to have two January deadline day deals, which they thought they had done but weren't because of an administration issue, is just ridiculous, really. But Thomason's clearly extremely frustrated by it, especially after the events in the summer where... They weren't, well, the transfer budget was cut for a start, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And that's down to issues that the owners, the Venkis, um, were having back in India. So that wasn't a good start to the season. And it just seems like it's continued to frustrate Thomason even more as things has gone on. I, I mean, people may remember the Venkis from the Premier League era, era where they were just, they made Blackburn into a bit of a laughing stock and... That seems to have calmed down a bit, but now seems to have reared its head once mm -hmm. again after all these years. And it seems like they haven't necessarily learnt their lesson. And I mean, the fans seem to be by and large on Thomason's side with this one. But I don't think he's completely blameless here either, Justin, because five points from an available 33 is horrendous for, particularly for a team that was seventh at the start of December. So could they go down, Justin? I mean... They're in a similar position to Stoke, aren't they? Where I don't think we had really considered them as a relegation contender, but they're just playing so poorly. And this whole thing kind of reminds me of Hall City a few yeah. years ago yeah. where they were on the edge of the playoffs, but then went on this stinking run of form where they just completely folded. And it looks like Blackburn are kind of on a similar thing here. It is a trend downwards. And again, there was their ownership issues then. Um uh, it is a, a a complete comparison, isn't it? It is a, almost a, a very similar mirror, uh, and it's it's a problem. It's a problem, and like I said, they tick a lot of the boxes for a club trending downwards. There's a poor absent ownership. Their uh, uh, recruitment has been so so, failed, failing to reinvest that money. The manager calling out a club on being how how, you know, how poor the, the club is being run on the pitch, not getting results defensively, absolutely horrendous. Um, yeah, as I say they tick a lot of boxes for 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 a club heading to League One. It's a, it's a it's a stark contrast to what it was this time last year when they were dreaming of being a playoff contender and, and being in the Premier League. Um, and and unfortunately, these these issues aren't going to go away. So the odds that they if they don't become a relegation a League One club by the end of this season, by the end of next season, the odds will be you know quite quite high for them. Yeah, poorly run clubs. 
they often tend to get punished eventually. And it seems like Blackburn, a club who I hadn't really considered as one that's, you know, terribly run in the grand scheme of the championship where this is a regular theme. Blackburn just seem to have really shot themselves in the foot repeatedly over the last period of time. And it just doesn't seem, it seems like it's finally resulting in what we're seeing on the pitch now. And it's scary. As a fan, isn't it really scary? Mm-hmm. Uh, a three-word review from Up the R's, back on the QPR uh, win, back amongst it. And Daniel says, Super Joe Hodge. And it's just QPR's second win in 11. And they have got to make this the start of a turnaround in form, haven't they, Justin? They, they simply have to, because you've got sides like Blackburn and Stoke who are faltering. But it means nothing if QPR can't pick up points themselves and make this relegation battle interesting. Yeah, spot on, spot on. But I think you, you've only got to look at the last three games, including this win against Blackburn. They beat Millwall, who are who are down there, probably nervously looking over their shoulder because they're only five points ahead of QPR. Um, then you've got, obviously, Blackburn in a similar position and they drew against Huddersfield as well. So that's a very good telling of where QPR are at the moment. There's a lot of character there. There's a lot of intangibles, immeasurables that you can't really back with, 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 with data but you can say you can look at the performance with the eye test and go there's a team there that are competing and pushing hard and doing a lot more than the likes of Stoke um, Swansea Blackburn doing a lot more to get results than, than those guys they're showing the, the minerals that you need to I think to pull themselves away and I think they had a low-key decent January as well adding Isaac Hayden if he stays fit Joe Hodge obviously scored against Blackburn Michael Fry if he gets going I think they can be tidy signings but yeah as I say they were on top of an open game here. They were good out of possession. They were disciplined and that's what's pulling them away. But you are right. They need to keep going with this form. It's a good run of form, but it's not going to be good enough if they, if they, yeah, lose a few games after. Well, I wouldn't say a good run of form, just kidding. You know. Unbeaten in three. Unbeaten in three. Unbeaten in three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just good for QPR. Gareth Ainsworth would be frothing at the mouth at the thought of that. Um, but they've yeah. beaten Blackburn and Millwall. I can see what you mean. I can see what you mean. They've, they've had... pulled those sides above them down and that's a big thing. Okay, well, we've seen a turnaround of some sorts, aren't we, from QPR, which, considering not too long ago, they only picked up two points from something like, what was it, 13 games, uh, 10 games or something like that. Um, That was looking pretty bleak for them. So for them to get this, you know, the last minute goal against Huddersfield as well, these are all positives that QPR have to take encouragement from and turn this into some sort of form because the form hasn't been there with them recently and that's how they stay up ultimately by putting together results and just not losing every single week like they were not too long ago (laughs) and the final game which we'll touch on this weekend Justin Coventry they lost for the first time in 13 games after being beaten 2-1 away at Norwich they did have a man sent off with the scores at 1-1 so Maybe we shouldn't, you know, worry too much about Coventry based off that. But it's three wins from four for Norwich. They've got wins against Coventry, Hull and West Brom. It's worth saying too. They're up to eighth now and just a point outside the top six. How has this happened, Justin? It's, you keep it's saying like... this. You keep saying this. You keep saying this. But David Wagner, I wouldn't say he's turned them into an incredible team, but they're deserving of their results. They've got quality players back and they're picking up results. I, I don't think you should be questioning well, how where has this come from. But it felt like they've been struggling for the last four months and then all of a sudden they've got a few wins on the board and they're right amongst it again. I'm just struggling to comprehend how this has happened. It's happened because, well, unfortunately, David Wagner's football's not great. It's not fantastic. But he's got quality players at his disposal. And those quality players are coming back from uh, to full fitness. Josh Sargent scored in this game, for example. Um, uh, Fashash has come back in. Boyer Science, he, the goal he scored was brilliant. Um I just think he's got quality players at his disposal and, he, and his football keeps games tight, keeps them edgy. And he's got Angus Gunn, one of the best keepers in the league as well, keeping opposition teams out like he did against Coventry in this one. Um, so I don't think it's inconceivable to 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 look at them where they are in the table and go, oh, Christ, where have they come from? I think it's his football shit. The quality players are pulling him, pulling him through. What, so are you saying top six contender here, Justin? Or? Hmm... I mean, he's done it before. It sounds like you are. He's done it before with Huddersfield. Um, that was a team started to play wise, shouldn't have been anywhere near the top six. And he's got better players at his disposal here. Um, if he can keep them fit, I think he can be knocking on the door because I'm not really convinced by Beale and Sunderland. Coventry will be a difficult side to overcome. Hull, difficult side to overcome. West Brom, difficult side to overcome. I think there are better sides than them uh, in better states right now. But I just don't think he can roll it out because he's got this weird, weird relationship with 
managing to get teams into that top six and uh, and defy the odds as he has done. He should have been sacked months ago, as we've discussed previously. Yeah. Well, I I don't see them as a realistic top six contender for quite a few reasons. Because first of all, they're so shaky defensively. They're very lucky Angus Gunn's been in unbelievable form recently because otherwise they would have not got as many results recently as they have. Uh, secondly, there haven't been many convincing wins at all since the start of September. Yes, they beat Coventry, Hull and West Brom, but Coventry was after a man was sent off. And then Hull and West Brom, I mean, they missed some they missed their fair share of chances in both of those games. But the bottom line is here, there are simply teams who are much more likely to finish in the top six ahead of Norwich because they're much better. Coventry, Hull and West Brom, both have much more talented squads, which are more well-rounded. I would say Middlesbrough and Sunderland are ahead of them too, for me personally. And look, fair enough, Norwich, they've done well to get a few wins recently, being in the position they're in now too. But I think you'd be lying as a Norwich fan if you said, yeah, we've been playing so well recently and our squad is perfectly set up for a top six finish because that's just not true. And I, I could sit here and say, yeah, maybe Norwich will finish in the top six after all, but I don't think that at all. So I, 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 to be honest, I don't think you truly believe it either, Justin. I, I, I'm not saying they will finish in the top six, but I think they've got the quality of players to to ask those questions and well, be in amongst it's it. interesting you say that, Justin, because on the 17th of December episode of the Second Tier podcast, you said Cardiff have a mid-table squad and then went on to say they have a better overall squad than Norwich. So you think Norwich have a bottom half squad? <laughs> I I don't know why you keep repeating <laughs> this. <laughs> this is why you're so dislikable. Why? Because I make good points. I don't think I don't think it is a good point because I think this. I think your whole. You said your, it. I think your whole. I mean, things change. Things change, oh, especially they, especially okay. with form. Especially with Fine, form in okay. football, things change very very often. Um, and I think now Norwich right. have got their players back to full fitness. Just, things no, change. Let, let's. Shut up with your rubbish a sec. Let's play a quick game of Scott Hire, Ryan Lowe. Who would you back to pick up the most points from the remaining 16 games? Norwich, Coventry, Hull or West Brom? West Brom. Then? Uh, Norwich, uh, sorry, West Brom, Coventry, Hull and Norwich. Okay then. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. He doesn't believe it as much as he says. Let's do the polls, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this is the part of the show where we give the listeners three questions on Twitter because we want to get their thoughts on everything to do with the championship. So the first question we asked was this. Which of these teams is the most likely to finish in the playoffs? Coventry, Hull or Norwich? I, I, I'm not going to answer. 52% <laughs> of people said Hull. 35% said Coventry. 13% said Norwich. I think Coventry, personally, out of out of those three. But, I mean, Hull did very well in January, didn't they? Um, after their loss to Huddersfield, Sheffield Wednesday are now eight points from safety. The question is, do you think they're going down, yes or no? Yeah, I think they're going down. If you look at it right now, it's going to be very difficult, but I just can't rule them out putting together a run of form to... To ask the questions of the, the Swansea's Blackburns, Millwalls, who might be looking over their shoulder. Run of form. Three games unbeaten all season. A run best, of form. Their best run of form. It can um, happen. I agree with you, Justin. You can't completely rule them out, but you've got to admit it's looking very unlikely, isn't it? 92% uh, of people said yes, they're going down. 8% said no. And finally, a bit of a different one. Who's going to win Euro 2024? England, France, Portugal or Spain? I uh, don't even know who else is qualified. I'm so so far distanced from international football, I have no idea who's qualified. Yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because I don't think anyone has really spoken about the Euros yet. Yeah, no one it has. Just seems like, it just seems like it's a it's an afterthought for mm. people. And usually at this time of year, we'd start getting a bit excited yeah. about it. But clearly not for some reason. Anyway, France. okay, thanks. 51% <laughs> of people said England. 40% said France. 5% said Spain. 4% said Portugal. So there you go. I, th I think Portugal are a bit of a dark horse. You know, as long as they don't have that bloody <laughs> Penaldo up front, um, it'll, be a lot, it'll be a lot different. Uh, we'll see there, won't we? Now it's time for this. Hi, Simon Grayson Edge. Uh... 
Yes, it's time for Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. So I'm going to ask Justin to name eight of a certain subject. All he's got to do is name all eight. So, for example, if I would say name Steve Bruce's last eight clubs, he would say Villa. That's one down. Newcastle, another down. But if Justin were to say Weymouth, he would lose a life. So all he needs to do is give me all eight answers without losing all of his lives. You can get involved in the fun by sending in your hateful eights for either Justin and I to answer. Send them into secondtierpod at gmail.com and you could get a shout out the next time we do a hateful eight. Just like Adrian, who sent in this hateful eight. And Justin, this might be the best question we've ever had on Simon Grayson's hateful eight. Because honestly, it's an absolute banger. So Adrian says, hi lads, I believe there are nine countries in Europe which have never had a player represent them in the championship. Surely you can work that into a question. We obviously can, Adrian. And I've double-checked, he's correct, Justin. So Vatican City is one of them, which hasn't had a player represent them in the championship, unless the Pope fancies getting his boots on anytime soon. So can you name for me the remaining eight European countries who have never had a player represented in the championship since it was rebranded in 2004? Now... As we all know, geography isn't your strongest point, Justin. So I've sent you a list of European countries and you can pick off there when uh, it comes to this. You've got three lives. So hit me with a European country, please. Uh, San Marino. <laughs> got to be. <laughs> yes. San Marino is correct. That is one down. So, Justin, you've got seven countries remaining. What are you going for? Just scrolling up this list up to the A's. Andorra. Surely there's not yes. been an Andorran. Andorra is also correct. Justin, where is Andorra? It's um, it's in the mountains in Spain, in Cat Catalonia. Good. We'll take that. Yeah, fine. Uh, that's another one down. Six Big middle go, finger, Justin. that one there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, it's, it's, it gets tricky. Liechtenstein, I think. Surely he's not been a Liechtensteinian. You'd be correct. You yeah. are correct, Justin. That is another player down. So that's three countries which have never had a player represented in the championship. So you've got five remaining. Monaco. Monaco is correct. That is true. The second smallest country in the world. I'll have you know, Justin. Yeah, I've, I've got um, the uh, uh, area, if you want it. Uh, an area of 1.5 kilometres squared. Very, very small. Great. Thank you. Uh, so you're halfway there, Justin. This is where it gets a bit tricky now because yeah. you're going on to some relatively big countries. Um, so what are you going to go for, big boy? I was going to go with Lithuania, but Bristol City have had a striker called Veliukas. Uh, mm. He's just popped into my head at the last second. Moldova is an interesting one. Malta and Michael Missud. I'm not going to go with the... Uh, uh, it's Mosquito, I think is his nickname. Um Ooh, I will. You know, I'm going to throw Luxembourg. Luxembourg, he's gone with. I'm afraid, Justin. Luxembourg isn't correct. Luxembourg have had Daniel Sonani, formerly of oh. Huddersfield and Norwich. Yes. So that's one life down, Justin. This is why it's such a good question. Mm. Um, so that means you've got two lives remaining. You're halfway there with your answers. I feel like there's been a few Cypriots, so we'll avoid them. Uh, I'll go with Armenia. Armenia is quite a big country. It's a very big country. I can see the uh, area. Good. <laughs> Kilometre squared. It's, it's massive. Justin, Armenia is correct. That is another one down. That means you've got three remaining. Can you name the final three countries in Europe which have never had a championship player represent them? Oh, I believe I might be able to. Um, Southampton came down uh, in the 0405 season, so Marion Pajas was, I think, was still on the book. So I'll take I'll take uh, Latvia out of that. <laughs> I love the uh, thinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, this is actually really tricky. Yep, this is really really tricky. I'm just scrolling up and down now, and I've got no idea. Montenegro. Justin Watts, Preston striker. Oh, Osmajic. Militin Osmajic. There are actually five players who have uh, been from Montenegro and played in the championship. you got Sead Haksabanovic from Stoke yeah, as well. Uh, Matthias Sarkic, Millwall goalkeeper. Shit. Yeah. So that's another one down. You've got one life remaining, Justin. Three countries to name. Georgia. 
May I remind you of a Watford midfielder? Oh my God, I'm, these are current <laughs> players. Yes, they are. Jesus They are what? indeed. Unfortunately, Justin, you are out. Um, I'm just checking how many Georgians we've had in the championship. We had, of course, Jack Vadzi at Watford. Um, he's currently playing in the championship. You can also, Zurab Kazan Nashvili, oh. formerly of uh, Newcastle and Reading as well. I think he played for Blackburn in the Premier League too. So, unfortunately, you've lost there, Justin, which is which is no shame at all because that, that was a pretty hard question, but it was a bloody good question, wasn't it? It was. That is a great question. That is a great question. Uh, very well worked. Um, I, I, I'm just looking down up and down these countries now and I just cannot... I'm just putting faces to countries, names to countries. It's just very difficult. Yeah. I think well, one of the countries you did mention, Moldova, never had a champion, uh, a player represented in the championship, so that's one. Uh, the other two, um, quite surprising actually, because they are fairly recognisable footballing nations. Azerbaijan have never had a player represented in the championship, and the other one is Belarus, never had a player in the championship. Does that surprise you at all? Um, it doesn't. It doesn't. I can only name one or two players from Belarus: Alexander yeah. Hleb and Yuchislav Hleb. Yeah, you don't have many who come over to these shores, though, no. do you? Um, so, well done, Adrian. That was a fantastic question. And if you can bring something like that to the table, then please do. Secretarypod at gmail.com and we'll give you a shout out very soon. But this has been Simon Grayson, Take for Late. And this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday for a roundup of all the news in the Championship over the coming few days. So we look forward to seeing you then. But yes, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. And a big thank you for listening. Second Tier is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.